The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. The following program is intended for mature audiences and may contain strong language, adult themes, and content of a violent and sexual nature which may not be appropriate for everyone. Welcome, listener, to the Horror Hill. If it's the darkness you seek, you won't be disappointed. I'm your host, Jason Hill, and it's time for our appointment. In this place, there is no sun, and nightmares do come true. Here, instead of shadow falling, the shadows follow. Consider getting comfortable before the air grows colder. Prepare yourself if you dare. Come inch a little closer. If darkness is what you're after, seek no more. Your search is through. You haven't found the darkness, traveler. The darkness has found you. As many of you may already be aware, social media can be as terrifying a place as any found on the horror hill. For tonight's first odious upload... A bit of social commentary on seductive celebrity and the dark descent that awaits those who fall when reaching for the stars. From author Adam Caesar, I give you... Please subscribe. Uploaded one month ago. Hey guys! Melody here, and this is my first of what I hope to be many videos. We're in a typical medium webcam shot. The girl on screen is attractive, but not the most attractive we've seen. And that's okay, because she's got stiff competition. We do watch a lot of videos. And once she watches a few more herself, some tutorials on proper lighting... The difference between key and fill, a couple of makeup how-tos, and maybe she'll rank among the most beautiful. I'm new to this whole thing, but I see that the surefire way to get likes and subscribers is to live stream myself playing video games. But... Ugh, I hate to break it to you, internet, but I'm not a gamer. Unless phone games count. No, no, my content is going to be... She scrunches up her nose in a way that can only be described as self-aware. It's a calculated movement. Calculated, but we're all in agreement that the nose scratch is undeniably adorable. Yes. Her first video isn't of the highest quality. But this is a girl who knows what she's doing. This channel will get more interesting. It's definitely worth sticking around for the remaining two minutes and 34 seconds of her video. Well, I actually don't know what the content of my channel is going to be. And I'm hoping that maybe you guys could help me decide. Leave me a comment and a slap like on this video to help me get some views. But before you leave, let me tell you a little bit about myself. She begins a list... Counting off her attributes on her fingers like she's only got the ten. The list goes. She's eighteen. She doesn't say where she's living now, but she'll be attending Rutgers in the fall. 
That gives us a general location. She's going away for college, but not too far away. Melody Bliss. Her channel name isn't her real name. Duh. Her interests include music. Classical music, actually. She was the first chair violin in high school and hopes to continue the instrument in college. Volleyball. And watching bad TV with her friends. And that's not editorializing on our part. She actually calls it bad TV, which is a level of self-reflection that many young women do not possess. Especially young women who post cell phone videos of themselves online. She has two dogs, which is boring. But she also has a hermit crab that she got at the boardwalk two years ago. She seems proud she's been able to keep him alive this long. He's malted three times, she tells us. We're not sure what that means, but her enthusiasm is quirky and adorable. Hmm, there's that word again, and already on brand. But there's a big clue in that hermit crab discussion because she called going to the beach, going down the shore. And that means we successfully triangulated her to the tri-state area. Probably Philly or South Jersey. Melody signs off, as most of them do, with a plea to subscribe to her channel. So we subscribe. Uploaded three weeks ago. Hey guys, did you miss me? She's back. Very few young vloggers stick to a schedule. Some never even make a second video. Forgetting about that silly dream of internet stardom after their first video fails to break 50 views. Mm, but this girl. She's got Moxie. We're all in agreement there. Moxie. And a black eye. She's tried to hide the injury with concealer, but she must not have watched a tutorial on that either. The bruise is glaringly apparent. Whatever happened to her eye must have happened not soon after she recorded her last video, because the mark has already begun to heal. There's a thin crescent of discoloration against the bridge of her nose that's brownish instead of a dark, attractive purple. Her makeup technique is no better, but she's learned some video production tricks. This video has a custom thumbnail. Also, the lighting and framing is worlds better. This is quality content. So I got a few responses to the last video, some comments, and I thought I'd go through and address some of them. We all lean a little bit closer to our screens at hearing this. It doesn't matter the size of the screen, even if we're watching on a phone and could more easily lift the screen closer to us. We still lean forward. Because maybe she's going to address our question directly. Maybe she's going to say our name. The request I received the most was if I could play you all something on my violin. And maybe I will. If we can get my page to 100 subscribers by next week. But I don't think I'm feeling up to it today. She touches the side of her face with a bruise, but doesn't address it directly. Melody, you are holding out on us. How did you hurt your eye? We all want to know. And then there were some comments that were... She pauses, searching for the words, and by this point, her trademark cutie pie way. Let's call them rude. She looks deeper into the camera. I had to delete many of them. Sorry, pervs. This is a family show. She smiles, changing the subject, switching gears with an almost audible click as her smile brightens. There was one other common viewer request that I think I can give you all the hookup with. She reaches both hands under the frame and our collective hearts leap because not only can we see a little further down her shirt, but she comes back up holding a fish tank. An empty fish tank with a fog of condensation on the sides and cling wrap over the lid. You all wanted to meet Pablo the Hermit Crab. And he wants to meet you too. 
She removes the lid, lifts out a pathetic little creature in an oversized shell. She places Pablo flat on one hand. A few seconds elapse as she waits silently for him to poke his antennae under his shell. He tastes the air, then pops his eye stalks and legs out and makes a beeline for the edge of her hand. Nope, you are not allowed to play outside of your cage, buddy, she says. Not to us, but to the small land crab. Well, that's Pablo. I feed him pellet food I order online, mostly. But occasionally, I'll chop him up some fresh vegetables or give him some peanut butter. But that's just on special occasions, right, Pablo? Si, Melody, she says in Pablo's voice. The choice of language and accent coming from this white girl is... problematic. Then she drops the little critter back into his cage. If any of you are thinking about getting your own crabs, I've linked some good care instructions down in the description. Be sure to check those out, because there's a lot more to taking care of Hermes than just the wire cage they give you at the beach. Deep breath. Here comes the plea. If you want to see more of me or Pablo, please like this video, then hit the subscribe button. I'll see you here next week and maybe even play you a song, if we hit our goal, of course. Remember, I'm still not sure what this whole thing is, so any suggestions are appreciated. We hit like, then we prepare our comments. Uploaded two weeks ago. Melody doesn't say anything to kick off her latest video. There's ten seconds of silence, her staring at the camera with her mouth closed around something. The pose is like she's holding her breath underwater, puffing her cheeks out. The bruise is still there. Barely. But it's still there. Some slight discoloration that only serves to make Melody look tired and not battered. Then she opens her mouth and Pablo crawls out over her tongue and plops into a waiting hand. In Melody's much improved lighting, his shell glistens. But other than the sheen of spit, Pablo seems none the worse for wear. He cleans off one antennae with his smaller front claw. Then Melody begins laughing. An embarrassed but unrestrained outpouring of, Can you believe I just did that? Coming from many other YouTubers, the laughter would read as self-conscious and cloying. But on Melody, it's endearing. I watched a video that explains you have 15 to 20 seconds to capture your audience's attention. She holds Pablo up to the camera so he can see that, yes, he is indeed okay. Maybe a little bewildered, but it's hard to read any emotion in his tiny black eyes. Do I have your attention? Yes, she does. The video then cuts to a bumper. It's a simple fading in and out of Melody's name, but when we cut back to her... There's also an annotation that pops up on the side of the screen imploring us to subscribe. She has come so far so fast. Learned so much. Without her cheeks puffed out to hold her pet inside her mouth, it's becoming apparent that Melody has lost some weight since posting her first video two weeks ago. She doesn't mention it, but you can see that the line where her neck meets her chin is a little sharper. Her cheeks are less full, but it looks good on her. Accentuates the dimples on her left side. You could lose a penny in those things. We all sigh when she smiles wide enough to flash the dimple. We like her better this way. We'll let her know in the comments. I'm sure many of you know by now, but we did reach our subscriber goal. So I'm going to play you a song at the end of this video. But first... I wanted to put a question out there. What are your essential dorm room items? I, like, just this morning found out that I'm going to be in a freshman housing. In a double, which means that I'm going to have a roommate. I hope she's cool. So, on my list, I've already got Christmas lights, collapsible hamper, and flip-flops for the shower. She exhales, inhales. She is getting better at talking to the camera. Hmm. Still needs to work on pacing. But I'm sure there's a ton of stuff I'm not thinking of. 
Leave me a list. Give me some life hacks. We can all think of a few suggestions. We take our eyes off Melody for a moment and look around the frame at what else we can see in her bedroom. There's a pile of laundry that she maybe doesn't realize the camera's picked up, because on top of the pile is a little pink bra. Moving on, she says, leaving a slightly awkward pause in instead of editing it out, as she seems to have done in her previous two uploads, which are so tight. She's not getting lazy. She's just allowing herself to appear more human, less processed. We approve. A few of you have noticed that I had a black eye and wanted to know what happened. I guess I'm not as good at makeup as I thought. Or you're all very perceptive. Dimple smile. But no, nothing scandalous. That's just what happens on the court. The volleyball court. I'm not like being abused or anything. My videos aren't a cry for help or something. Just want to reach out. Then there's an edit, no pause, and in the next setup, more zoomed out. Melody has her violin resting under her chin. I read somewhere that videos over six minutes don't do well, so this is going to have to be a quick song. She says, it begins to play, beginning with a downstroke, a deep sound. There's a little bit of echo in her bedroom, but she has the camera far enough from the instrument that there's no feedback. We alternate between watching her hands as she plays and watching that pink bra. She is quite talented. The song isn't mopey, but it's not quite joyous either. It's neutral and fast without being particularly invigorating. That's all for this week, she says, ending mid-song, it would seem. She tells us to like and subscribe and share. We are left wanting more. Uploaded a week ago. A knife, garbage bags, the heavy-duty kind. Condoms, all sizes. A shovel, she says, reading off a list. You guys are hilarious. But those aren't the kind of dorm room supplies I was talking about. God, between this week and last week, she must have lost 15 pounds. The bumper cuts back in after she's done talking. She's got this starting with a hook thing down to a science. Who wouldn't want to keep watching? Not us. She's rearranged her bedroom. We can no longer see the pile of clothes. Or the bra. She's moved a bookshelf to the edge of her desk and put Pablo's cage on top of the shelf so we can see him in there, clinging to a knotted length of driftwood. Got a lot of comments on last week's video. Also got a lot of hate from my trick with Pablo. Some people called it animal cruelty. Some called it just plain gross. But, you know what I say? No. What do you say? F the haters. F them right in the ear. It's as if she can hear our applause from the other side of time and the internet. Because she pauses to let her bold stand against the haters. Sit for a moment. Yes. F them. F those fucking fucks. But those people are in the minority, so thanks to all my viewers who left me comments of support, and for those of you looking for me to do something bigger and crazier, all I have to say is stay tuned. She almost... Almost said fans instead of viewers... The hesitation was microscopic, but we all felt it. We detected the wriggling diva larvae. The diva that we've planted deep inside the base of Melody's skull. The diva seed. She longs to call us her fans. Wants us to tear the hem of her garments. Wants us to tear each other apart, but she won't get it. Not quite yet. As of this video... We are a united front. There's been no indication as to what the content of this video will be, and there's less than a minute left to it. Hardly time for another song or stupid Petrick. What are you going to show us, Melody? Is this even a full episode? 
A measly two minutes is supposed to be our weekly fix. We are unimpressed. Today, I... Uh, today, I... It's like she's stuck, but then we notice the drip that streaks down below her left nostril. There's a watery red line drawn above her lip. She's gotten a nosebleed, but she doesn't cut the camera. Instead, she covers it with one bent finger, trying to stop her the nostril with a knuckle and keeps talking. Ha, <laughs> that's all the time I've got for today. Check back soon for something really spectacular. Keep those comments coming in and make sure that you like and subscribe. If you haven't already. Before the video ends, she gives us viewers a quick wave, but not with her free hand, but with the one that she's using to staunch the blood. The flow has trickled down, from the knuckle to her pointer finger, down so that it drips off the end of her pinky. It's like she's made of marble and in the middle of a Roman fountain, the water pumping from her dark red. Her wave is such a quick motion that the blood forms a fan. The video cuts off right when the spatter peppers the side of her desk, the bookshelf, and Pablo's tank. Getting only a two-minute video seemed like a rip-off at first, but we've watched it collectively 5,000 times by this point, a mere three hours after it was uploaded. We pay special attention to that last 20 seconds, trying to map out where all the droplets of Melody Bliss will fall. Uploaded just now. We're beginning to suspect Melody may have an eating disorder. Or suspect that she takes comments on the internet way too seriously. We feel that she's done what she swore she would never do. She's let the haters get the better of her. Ironically, she's grown an immense audience in a short amount of time. We hope that she knows that this type of success is atypical. We've never seen anything quite like it. It's not like she has millions of views. She hasn't gone viral. But it's fair to say that she's got a cult audience. No. <laughs> no, 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 that's not a pun. At the start of this video, freshly uploaded, but we all get it at the same time because we've all set up to be sent email alerts whenever Melody Bliss posts a new video... We're all praying that she gets help. Maybe once she gets to Rutgers, visits their dining hall, she'll put on the freshman 15 and all will be right with the world. If she pulls out of this tailspin, then we'll have her to internet adore and internet whisper to for many years to come. We'll be with her when she gets a lucrative sponsorship deal or writes a coffee table book or marries a Hollywood star who's actually famous. But then she speaks for the first time in this video. And it seems pretty clear that none of those things will come to pass. Hey guys, um, Melody here. Just a, a quick video I made about something I've been getting asked about and have wanted to talk about. Her speech is halting, labored even. She's not annoyed, just tired and unable to concentrate on the words that she's so cleverly reading off her computer screen. And they aren't good words. We'd be able to tell she was reading from the slight tennis match back and forth of her eyes, but then she makes it more obvious by squinting at a few words. First, I want to say that I appreciate those of you who've reached out to ask if I'm sick. She coughs, in bold defiance of what she's about to say. No, I'm, I'm not ill and I'm not sick in the head either. I, I do not have an eating disorder, but I have been on a diet. She swallows hard, gets wistful. Summer used to be such a fun time, but I guess this is what growing up is all about because I'm so... She searches for the word. She's either going off book or she's lost her place. Stressed. I become so stressed. I mean, I used to worry about tests, but when I asked for dorm room tips and got to talking to some of you about your college experiences, it got me caught up in kind of a cycle. We don't notice it until now, but the lid is off Pablo's cage and he doesn't appear to be inside. 
I spend all day worrying about every little detail. The future is... The future is terrifying, y'all. That last bit isn't a southernism. It's more of a youthful borrowing of urban slang. And it feels like it's meant as a joke, but we aren't laughing. Oh, Melody. We really did believe in you. Maybe it's not too late, we all think. Nearly at the same time. All across the country. The English-speaking globe, really, because... Melody even has a small but fierce following in Germany. Who knew? Not Melody. Because she doesn't seem to know how to check her analytics, at least she hasn't given any indication that she does. It's not too late if we all go into the comments right now, even before this video is finished, and we all write one nice thing. One thing about Melody that makes us happy. Makes us proud to be a part of her community her subscribers, and... Yes, her fans. You're the best, Melody. OMG, hair so cute today. There's some kind of sound. We're missing action as we type, but we must press submit on our new comments. More Pablo. Love him. And there's that sound again. You need closet organizers. They're lifesavers in the dorm. The sound... It's a smack. Can you shoot a vid showing how to do your makeup? Fuck you. Kill yourself, slut. Oh, we all recoil at the dingus among us who felt the need to write that last comment. We bristle as a collective organism. But a few bad apples after all. By the time we all scroll back up after typing out our positivity, Pablo's on screen. Cute little Pablo. Aww. If Melody keeps making videos, one of us is going to have to make Pablo his own Twitter account where he can share cute memes and aphorisms. We wouldn't want any money in exchange for doing something like that. We just want Melody to acknowledge what a nice gesture it is. Pablo looks troubled. He's crawling across the desk, searching out a place to hide. And he finds it in Melody's hair. Her chestnut curls are so wide and well-kept that Pablo is able to use one of them as an impromptu cave. Melody's hair has fallen across her desk, pushed her keyboard away, apparently bumping the camera to a lower vantage. She's performed a literal head desk. But it's only once the blood begins to spread, the salty blackness of it chasing Pablo out of his hiding spot, so he slips off the desk. We all hope he landed unharmed on the carpet that we realized that those smacks we heard were repeated head desks. Putting her face down under the desk and into a kitchen knife that Melody had held horizontally, not vertically, like would make more sense. The flat of the blade is flush with the particle board of her Ikea desk. The sharp part is embedded in Melody's forehead. It's sad. She's unresponsive, but the thing we all marvel at is... How did she manage to get this video uploaded? There must be a program or function for it that we've never heard of. Maybe some kind of Google Chrome extension? Hmm. Amazing. Melody went from a nobody to a seasoned expert in less than one month. Oh well. There's nothing more for us to see here. The video is over. The pool of blood from the gashes in her skull spread as far as it's going to go. The video ends. We unsubscribe. I guess Melody was just determined to make the cut. One way... Or another. Our second story tonight takes a page from the grimmest of the Brothers Grimm in a fearsome fairy tale noir. From writer Luciano Morano, I give you Storybook Gothic. 
The flashing lights of the squad car cut reassuringly through the eerie pre-dawn fog slowly creeping through the forest. Announcing security and protection, they told the grim knight a comforting story. But it was not true. Detective Papa Grislowski stood outside Grandma's house, puffing hard on his cigar. The rancid smoke was bliss after the stench inside. He breathed deeply to get the awful reek of fresh blood and burnt molasses out of his nose. Cookies were probably ruined forever. Voices crackling on the radio told him the crime scene team was on their way. The grumpy brown bear, with more and more gray in his fur these days, puffed and thought, and then tried not to think anymore. Not yet, at least. An icy wind cut through the trees, rustling the barren branches above. His fur bristled beneath the open trench coat, but he could not escape the sticky, dirty feeling that clung to him like a second skin. Second skin, he thought to himself. Poor choice of words. A rapid fluttering to the right drew his attention. His partner hovered there, wings a pinkish blur. She looked uneasily back at the diner, her tiny frame trembling slightly, but Grizz knew better than to ask a fairy if she was okay, even the toughest fairy around. They hate to look soft. The fact that she hadn't yet gone on his case about the cigar told him everything he needed to know. She hated it when he smoked. Detective Pixie Emberlight finally met his eyes. I just saw her yesterday, Grizz. He nodded, cigar clenched tight in his teeth. It's a bad one, all right. Worst I've seen in a long time. He didn't say when the worst was. They both knew. And Red? Pixie shook her head, ran a tiny hand through her short, spiky blonde hair. She was, what, fifteen, if that? Grizz nodded. Goes to school with baby. You gonna tell her? I guess I'll have to, he growled, turning to face the two unmarked vans trundling up the dirt road. Well, better give these guys a heads up. They're in for a long one. Pixie looked back at Grandma's house as he lumbered away, her delicate, childlike features colored crimson by the blinking open sign in the window. Almost as red as the bloody paw prints leading out of the door and into the forest. Big clawed paw prints. I think we all are, she said. As the techs went to work inside, cameras flashing and plastic crinkling, Grizz and Pixie ran it again with the grumpy dwarf, the one who'd called it in. He and the rest of the crew from White Rose Mines had been celebrating down at the wishing well. The youngest dwarf, the dopey one, was getting married to some girl he'd met on the internet, the gruff one had said. He'd hit it off with a fairy, one of the fiancé's friends. They'd been carrying on after the rest of the gang high-hoed at home at closing time. After some heavy petting in the parking lot, and an exchange of numbers, the drunken dwarf left. Feeling the hangover coming on and slated for the first shift of the day, he stopped at Grandma's for a cup of coffee and a fortifying bite. I just can't believe it. He straightened from the bushes after his latest bout of puking. I mean, who'd ever want to hurt Grandma in red? Grizz eyed the paw prints, shared a quick sideways glance with Pixie. He thought he had a pretty good idea who, and saw she did too. I'm getting too old for this, Grizz said, pocketing his notebook. I need a long hibernation. Grandma had been baking the day's second batch of cookies, gearing up for the breakfast rush. They sat on the counter, hopelessly scorched. The next batch was still in the oven. Acrid smoke was thick inside, even with all the windows open. Just doesn't seem right, Gris thought. When was the last time Grandma made anything less than a perfect cookie? His ponderous gut filed it away. Grizz's gut made him a known authority on Grandma's cookies, but it was hard to focus when what was left of the old lady was spread out on the kitchen floor. It wasn't much, 
The text said she died first. The old woman had most likely been killed quickly by a blow to the head. Then, her throat had been cut before the psycho had really gone to work on her. Grizz had hoped she'd been dead before she was skinned, at least. They said Red probably woke up and came downstairs after she'd heard the attack and surprised the killer. The kid had put up a fight, though. Red was found near the back door. Defensive wounds on her arms and hands, and dark bloody fur under her fingernails. Grandma probably bought it fast, they said. Poor Red, though. She'd held on longer. Elsewhere in the forest, the wolf strutted beneath the rising sun in his grandma suit. He cast loving gazes at his reflection in the stream, blew himself a little kiss. Oh, what big eyes I have, he said dreamily, spreading his arms wide to hug the new day. The tight skin stretched over his muscles like a sweater just out of the dryer, still quite damp inside. Why, all the better to see with, my dear. A skittering noise from the nearby brush made his ear twitch beneath the gray wig. He tamped down on the desire to give chase. When I became a grandma, I put away wolfish things. <laughs> he giggled to himself. He twirled, hugging his wool shawl around himself, and laughed as he danced on. Lunch came and went, not that either of them ate. Grizz was less than surprised when he and Pixie were summoned into the chief's office. The press was rabid for updates on what the morning papers had called Grandma's House of Horrors, and the boss was bouncing off the walls. He was jumping on his desk when they came in. Grizz thought the old guy's leaping days were behind him, but said nothing as he slouched down into the ancient sofa in the corner. Pixie hovered nearby. Neither had ever seen the chubby gray rabbit so red before. Close it! barked Chief Jack Hopinski, big ears flopping as he nodded at the door. Where are we? The prince came back, Pixie said, pushing the door shut. It's him, all right. Fur under Red's nails is a match, too. Hopinski bounced back and forth frantically, scattering papers to the floor, wringing his tiny hands. The wolf. You sure? Pixie nodded solemnly. Crunchy carrots, the chief shrieked. There is no sound more terrible in the world than a rabbit screaming. How is this possible? After the last time? With the pigs? I thought he was in a padded room somewhere. In a jacket that fastened up the back, right? Eating through a straw. Well, so did we, Grizz said. I've got a call into Cloverpatch now. If he did escape, they didn't notice. I imagine they won't be calling back too fast. Meanwhile, we've got everyone checking his usual spots. Great, do whatever you have to. The chief's nose twitched faster. Automatic overtime. Comb the forest, go house to house. We've got to find him. Grizz nodded. His old place was empty when we went by. He hasn't been back to that den. And I'm not sure what else we can do right now. The rabbit exploded, leaping higher off the desk with each bellow. You think of something. You're supposed to be the best. There was a loud buzz and then a very timid voice sent over the intercom. Chief, it's, um, it's the, uh, the city on line two. The wizard's office. They, um, they say it's urgent. Hopinski blanched. He sighed heavily, waving the detectives away. Oh, for the love of leafy lettuce. He reached for the phone. Just find him. Tired of pretending he didn't notice her staring, Grizz finally turned from his computer to face his partner. If you've got something on your mind, Pixie, just say it. She shrugged sitting on the edge of his desk, absently swinging her little feet. I just thought it would be nice if we had someone we could go to for some guidance, you know? Someone who might have some insight. 
Grizz ground. We have crystal gazers for that. True, but those guys will take forever gathering up a bunch of potion ingredients and then wait for the moon to be right or something. And even then, they'll give us crap we already know. We need something to go on right now. I suppose that you have a suggestion, Gris said. But he already knew the answer. It made his fur stand on end. He had enough on his mind already without letting all of that back in. Well, what about it, partner? Pixie put a tiny hand on his enormous paw. I know how you feel about it, but... I think she'd be... just right. Exactly eight formidable steel doors, at least a dozen armed guards, and three life sentences stand between Gloria Goldilocks and the rest of the world 24 hours a day. It was, by any reasonable estimate, more than sufficient. She was, after all, a teenage girl. For Grizz, it was not enough. Not even close. Musical clinking announced her arrival in advance. It was the sound of her chains, and the movement of the three tin guards who escorted her to the interview room from her private, double-reinforced cell many floors below. Goldie is tiny, but her somber dignity and the graceful way she moved, the deliberate way she spoke created a tension that always made her seem much, much larger. She was even paler now, though she'd seemed alabaster-like before. Otherwise, she hadn't aged a day, except for her eyes. Her huge, sparkly eyes gazed out precociously from two dark recessions in her otherwise flawless face, like jewels wrapped in black velvet. She smiled politely at Pixie, but did not look at Grizz until she was seated across the table and the guards had finished fastening her bonds to the thick bolts on the floor and left. Hello, Papa Bear, she said as the door shut. I like what you've done with your hair, he nodded upward. Her golden curls, the luscious locks that had graced a thousand tabloid pages were gone. Instead... She sported the stiff bristle of a fresh buzz cut above her immense green eyes. Just trying a new look, she batted her eyelashes playfully. I hear I'm not the only one. What do you know about it? Pixie asked. Goldie did not acknowledge the fairy, did not break eye contact with Grizz. Scared to come see me alone? We're busy, Goldie, Grizz said. Do you have something for me or not? Bring any good photos? No. Mm, a reduced sentence, maybe? Hell no. Your daughter's pumped. Grizz bit down on the inside of his cheek so hard it bled, but said nothing. He saw Pixie tense, ready to jump in if he lost it. He wouldn't. He'd known this would happen. Taunting was the price he'd have to pay before the girl would say something useful, if she even had anything useful to say. Then I don't think I'll be able to help. Goldie made a pouty face in response to his silence. Come on, Grizz forced a smile. Show me how much smarter you are than us. Although, how you found out about the murder so fast in here, I don't know. Oh, they're just walls, Grizz. Goldie was smiling once more. Grizz thought again of how she never seemed to blink. It was unsettling. So how's Mama and Baby? Fine. Oh, good. Do say hello for me. I will. He lied. You're lying, she said. But that's okay. I'm sure I'll see them again. Soon. Grizz snorted. Better hope not. My wife would love a little time alone with you. Goldie closed her eyes, drug her tongue slowly around her lips, and turned her face up to bask in the fluorescent lights. She was quiet for a long time. Do you ever think how different our lives would be if they'd been home when I came to visit? 
Goodbye, Goldie. Gris stood, picked up his coat from the table. Grandmothers, Goldie snapped back, eyes bright again and her beauty queen smile firmly reapplied. Why did our friend Mr. Canis Lupus want to kill Grandma? He could have been after Red, Pixie said. No. Goldie's voice whined with bored disdain. She was subsidiary. He did not show Red the same, shall we say, special treatment as Grandma. Why, Grizz? Why does he want her skin? Um, to eat, maybe? Oh, try harder, Grizz. I don't know, Goldie. That's why we're here. He never did anything like this before. Nobody has. You're the only one to ever... What about before? She snapped. What did he want from the pigs? To eat them? No, 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 no. He wanted in, inside. To be included. To be one of them. He only tried to eat them after they rejected him. So what? Gris slammed his giant paws on the table. He wanted to be a pig? And now he wants to be an old lady? Why? Makes sense, Goldie. Consider the character of Grandmother, Goldie said in a teacherly tone. What are her qualities? She's human, Gris said. She's a woman. She's... I don't know. She's love, Goldie said. She's cherished. Cared for. Gris sat up straighter. Goldie saw him get it and began to laugh. The world's changing, Papa Bear. The old stories are dying. You're not looking for a wolf anymore. He's not going to be what you want him to be. And neither will I. She began to cackle as she bucked and strained against the chains. The noise brought the guards in, the metallic hands firmly pressing her thrashing little body back into the chair. Veins throbbed in her slim neck. Grizz grabbed his coat again and made for the door. Thanks. What would you know about it? Goldie shrieked. You don't even appreciate the skin you're in. Oh, but I do. I'm the one who deserves it. I'm the beast, Grizz. I'm an animal. Grizz paused in the doorway and said, without turning around, I know you are, Goldie. And that's why you're in a cage. She spit at the tin guards, frothing as she bit down on their metal fingers so hard that her teeth broke. See you soon, Papa Bear. Blood dribbled down her chin as her gleeful cries echoed after him down the long, empty corridor. Soon. The sound roused response cries from the other inmates. From the chorus of lunacy, as the first of the big doors clanged shut, Grizz heard her scream. I'll be the best bear you ever saw. He heard her again many times in his head as they left, and knew that he would for a long time to come. See you soon, Papa Bear. He sat on the bench like Grandma. He folded his hands in his lap, like he'd seen her do so many times. The sun was hot, but he pulled his sweater around his shoulders anyway, smoothed his hair primly, and waited for the bus. At his slippered feet was a suitcase full of grandmother things. In his skin-covered paw, a ticket. Nearby, an older gentleman paused to set down his large trunk. He removed his fedora and wiped his brow with a handkerchief. He looked over from behind his tiny gold spectacles and nodded. Good afternoon, ma'am. He nodded back, feeling his new face slide over his hair. It was hot, and he was sweating inside the grandma mask. 
Quickly, he put a hand to his face as if to hide a blush and tucked his chin to realign the eyes. He smiled. Ooh, what big teeth I have, he thought. The old man looked away to the large clock on the station wall and then back to his own ticking. All the better to smile with, my dear. Later, back at the office, Grizz smothered his troubles in honey buns, thinking over what Goldie had said. After his third, he licked the sticky sauce from his claws and paused for a breath. This is going to go late, Pixie said from her desk, opposite his own. She was doodling hearts and flowers in a blank manila folder. She did that when she was thinking real hard. It was the only fairy cliché she allowed herself. You should probably call your wife. Grizz knew she was right. Knew also he would not tell Mama about visiting the prison. Things were only just now getting back to normal at home. There had been a time he thought they never would. Pixie absently rubbed her neck, staring hard at her doodling, and Grizz saw the name tattooed there. Peter. She must have a headache, he thought. He could always tell when his partner had a headache because she rubbed that tattoo. He knew a little about Pixie's marriage, knew it didn't last and ended badly. That was before they'd been teamed up. She didn't like to talk about Peter and he knew better than to ask. She looked up from her flowers and spoke her thoughts aloud. So he's trying to be grandma now. Grizz tossed the wrapper from his latest diet derailment into the trash. Not grandma, I think. A grandmother. Pixie fluttered up from her booster seat and began to pace back and forth on the desk, dainty little ballet steps high on her toes. So, what does he think grandmothers do? Grizz shrugged. Ned, watch Judge Judy. My wife's mother is pretty fond of reminding her how much better she could have done than me. Pixie kept pacing. Understandable. But what else? What does he want? Where would he go if he wants to be the grandmother of the new story he's writing? The mail cart came squeaking by, Misty Muffet swishing behind it. Hey, Grizz, she winked. Still married? Grizz followed the administrative aide's long legs up the hem of her short skirt. She watched him make the trip, winked again when he finally got to her flirty blue eyes. Yeah, still married. Thanks for asking, though. Dang. She set their mail on the desk. Maybe tomorrow. Hey, Pixie. Hey, Misty, came the diminutive detective's distracted response. How's the big case? Grizz growled. That bad, huh? Misty put a hand on her cocked hip and shook her head. Oh, it's just awful about old grandma and little Red. Yeah, Grizz said, turning back to his computer. There were no revelations to be found in his inbox, though, no matter how many times he hit refresh. Misty, Pixie looked dumb. What do grandmothers do? Grandmas? Misty put a single finger to her chin and pursed her crimson lips. I don't know. Mine just plays bingo at the Indian Casino down in Fort Lauderdale and complains about the Democrats. Pixie frowned. My grandparents live in Florida, too. Grizz stood up. So does my wife's mom. They pushed past Misty, tipping the mail cart and scattering envelopes as Grizz bounded for the door. Pixie swooped behind him, calling an apology back to Misty as they went. Lord have mercy, Misty said, bending to straighten the cart. Sometimes I just don't know. Sirens screaming, lights flashing, the car tore down the highway, passing traffic on the left and the right with Pixie at the wheel. From the passenger seat, Grizz stretched his leg over and floored the gas as he yelled into the radio. The bus station. He pressed one paw hard against the dash. Jesus, Pixie, get us there alive, will ya? He roared and slammed his eyes shut as Pixie nicked the bumper of a semi, veered to the right and scraped along the guardrail. Sparks danced like coked-up fireflies. She got past it and pulled back onto the road. Oh, quiet down, you big baby. Her arms were spread wide across the wheel. 
her wings a humming blur. Don't you dare touch that brake pedal. Riz obediently kept his left foot floored, smashed himself even further into the cramped seat, and got back to the radio. He didn't eat her. He's wearing her, Chief. I promise, he'll be there. He slammed the mic down and cast a spiteful glance at Pixie. She winked and gave him a big thumbs up. Will you get your hand back on the wheel? He said, closing his eyes as she came up on another big trunk. The metallic crunch of the side mirror being ripped off made him think of tin guards and Goldie. They're just walls, Grizz. And anything can break, he thought. Years ago, when he'd been assigned the bloody bear case, they'd all thought hate was the only possible motive. Ugly, but not unheard of. And they couldn't have been more wrong. An image came to him, one he rarely entertained in the light of day. A beautiful little blonde girl wrapped in bloody bear hides, smiling wide to show a crooked set of homemade bear-tooth dentures. Stuck between the crooked mismatched teeth, pieces of the human parent she'd eaten. Grizz could still see her growling, blood-streaked face glaring out at him from beneath the gory hood. The ears stapled on too far apart when he cornered her in his house, waiting for his daughter to come home. I'll be the best bear you ever saw. He rubbed the scar on his arm. Teeth marks still dimpled the skin beneath the fur. See you soon, Papa Bear. The wolf could never be a real grandmother, but he wanted to be a new character in a different story. So, he would do what he thought grandmothers did. And, as everyone knew, grandmothers go to Florida. Grandmothers bake cookies, too, and he tried that first. Had it been the smell that woke Red? The smoke, maybe? When she'd seen what had happened, when his fantasy had come apart, he had to kill her. It was just like Goldie said, and they had been looking for a wolf all day. Grizz heard a loud horn blast and screeching tires, but kept his eyes shut until Pixie yelled, Get ready to break, big guy! He was more than ready. The doors of the charter bus opened with a mechanic swish. The wolf fought the urge to dash forward to be the first in line. No, 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 that wouldn't be very proper. Instead, he smoothed his shawl, stood, and slowly retrieved his suitcase. A large shadow fell over him from behind. A smaller one appeared floating at his shoulder. Don't move, the big one growled. The wolf slowly set down his bag. His eyes stayed on the bus. Part of his mind was already flying down the road to Florida, but the other half knew he'd never see it. Oh, may I help you, sir? He asked in his new voice, just as he'd practiced. Save it, came a smaller voice. Hands up, you're under arrest. The wolf began to turn. A low whining sound came crawling up from his belly, leaking out from his throat. Not fair, he thought. It's not fair. He forced his claws through the skin of his grandma gloves. There was a sound like ripping burlap as he opened his mouth wide, tearing the bottom half of the mask free. The mouth and cheeks dangled to the side of his gaping maw of fangs. Not fair, not fair, not fair, it's not fair. Oh, what quaint thoughts you have, the wolf said. He turned and lunged for Grizz. Grizz was too slow, and he was knocked to the ground. He struggled to keep the snapping jaws away from his neck. Pixie had dodged the rush, and she came down hard from above on the back of the wolf's head. He slumped to the side, eyes rolling back and his gray wig sliding off in a trickle of blood. He started to roll, but Grizz hit him between the eyes. There was a snapping sound as the wolf's head flew back and he collapsed. There are very few creatures, no matter how crazy, who can take a direct right cross from an angry Detective Papa Grizzlowski. The better to shut you the hell up with, Grizz said, rubbing his paw. Nice work, Pixie, 
She was already cuffing the unconscious wolf as their backup moved in from the perimeter, the hopping mad chief leading the charge. Pixie sighed. Ugh, I need a hibernation. Grizz growled his agreement, turned to retrieve the wolf's bag. A loud bang and a high-pitched squealing drew his attention to the bus. An old man in a classy suit and a long dark coat was shoving a big trunk into the luggage compartment. He looked up anxiously, and Grizz got a sudden whiff of fear. Something else. Something wrong. He followed his gut over and gently pushed the old man aside. He muttered weak protests as Grizz reached down and easily snapped the lock from his trunk. Grizz tipped it slightly, and out spilled a small boy. His keening was muffled by a large ball gag, and he was bound at the wrists and ankles with thick silver tape. He was naked. <laughs> it's okay, the old man said, shakily mopping his face with a sodden handkerchief. It's all okay. His hands inched up over his shoulders as he lightly reached out a foot and kicked the prostrate boy with the tip of his polished loafer. There sounded the telltale tap, tap of solid wood. As he's, um, as you see, he's not a real boy. Grizz looked from the boy to the old man. No hibernation today, Pixie, he sighed. Grizz punched the old man so hard that three teeth were embedded in his paw deeply. That would earn him a write-up, probably a suspension, but he didn't care. Everything moved in slow motion around him then, and Pixie's words were drawn out yawns and unrecognizable. Grizz slumped down onto the bench and let the others take over. Later, at home, Mama and Baby saw his bandaged paw and asked what happened. And he told them a story. A story that was not true. Thanks for joining me tonight at the Horror Hill. Please subscribe was written by Adam Caesar. Adam Caesar lives in Philadelphia. He's been writing in and about the horror genre for most of his life and, for the last decade, has been doing it professionally. His novels include Video Night, The Summer Job, Exponential, and The Con Season. They are available in ebook and paperback, with many of his works also available as audiobooks. He also runs Black T-Shirt Books a small press specializing in promoting horror's most talented rising stars, and has a YouTube channel called Project Black T-Shirt, where he discusses the intersection of horror film and horror fiction. Like his story says, he'd be honored if you dropped by his website and YouTube channel and checked out his mailing list. And, of course, please subscribe. Storybook Gothic was written by Luciano Morano. Luciano Morano is a journalist, photographer, and author. His award-winning reporting, both written and photographic, has appeared in numerous regional and national publications. He made his debut as a fiction writer in the extreme horror anthology DOA3, Bloodbound Books, May 2017, alongside such genre icons as Jack Ketchum, Edward Lee, and Bentley Little, among others. He's a U.S. Navy veteran. He likes jogging and drinking craft beer, though not at the same time. His favorite movie is Point Break. His favorite book is Something Wicked This Way Comes, and he would choose Wolverine-style healing abilities if he could have any superpower. Or maybe just the ability to grow Wolverine-style sideburns. Get to know him better at www.luciano-morano.com or check out cityway101 at wordpress.com where he blogs, albeit sporadically. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Horror Hill, 
A production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. And a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Jason Hill. Additional performers have been featured when necessary to bring the tales to life. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respected authors. Sound design, original music, and final mixing and mastering provided by Luke Hodgkinson under the guidance of executive producer and director Craig Groshek. The program's artwork and logo by Jason Hill. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at horrorhill at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of the show. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure that you never miss an episode. And please, leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and Horror Hill on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Thursday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button too to tell us how we're doing. Oh. And if you could, please leave a kind word, or even a request. If you can never get enough spooky stories and can't wait until next week for more, and haven't already, be sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for more than 500 free audio horror stories, including more performance from yours truly, and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, You'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Thursday with more frightening fiction to haunt your dreams. Until next time, this is Jason Hill. Good evening. Good evening.